If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Welcome on this first Sunday of the Distinguished Pulpit Series to Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. This morning, we are delighted to welcome Reverend Ann Cansfield as the first speaker of our Distinguished Pulpit series. Ann is the first female and openly gay chaplain at the New York Fire Department and in 2015 was voted the inaugural New York Times New Yorker of the Year. Last year, she pub- I know, right? <laughs> Last year, she published a book called Be the Brave One which talks about how an adventurous faith rooted in living out our convictions can bring about radical change in the world. And we are so happy to be the reason Anne had to visit Oklahoma for the first time. Do not worry, I took her to Brahms. (laughs) Mayflower, please join me in giving a warm welcome to Reverend Anne Cansfield. Will you pray with me? One of our sacred stories, Holy One, tells us that you appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. Was it as hot as it's been around here lately? It is so hot the chickens are laying scrambled eggs. The text says that when Abraham looked up, He saw three men standing near him, and he ran to meet them. We might as well say the quiet part out loud. That sounds ridiculous to us. But then it gets worse. He begs them to inconvenience him. They are offered water to wash up, space under the tree to rest, and a, a hot meal. We confess that our enthusiasm for greeting strangers isn't the same as Abraham's, regardless of the temperature. We'd also confess to blaming this on our strong sense of stranger danger, but it occurs to us that we're so busy with our heads down that we're not really looking up to see if someone needs to sit for a spell or a cup of cold water. So take us by the chin, Holy One, and gently lift our faces 
that we might see one another. Help us find our enthusiasm for offering hospitality and care. Appear to us just as you appeared to Abraham as a stranger. And may the story inspire a sense of holy urgency as we tend to each other. Ever mindful of our access to air conditioning, we pray. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three, do you think, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Good morning. It is such a, oh, this is so great. Let's do it again. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, wow. See, you've already surpassed my highest dreams for church this morning. I, I learned, it's a low bar, right? I learned that your, your state motto used to be like, we're okay. Yeah. And I'd just like to say, I th I might, that's my hope for the sermon, that it'll be okay. You know, if you set a low bar, then it's amazing the exciting things that can happen. So thank you so much for inviting me to, uh, to kick off your distinguished uh, pulpit series. Indeed, you have a very distinguished pulpit here. And it is a real honor to be able to, to come and to visit Oklahoma City. I have had such a good time in your city that I, I really feel that no matter how amazing the sermon is, it cannot justify all the fun that I had. And, and, and that is, is merely just a, a tip-off that I was raised as a Calvinist, where we're very concerned about earning our keep and working constantly, okay? So um, just the ice cream alone would merit an entire trip to the city. It is, it is epic. So y'all are far more exciting than just okay. So um, if that's the only thing you take home from my sermon, I, I, I hope you'll realize way better than okay. 
So uh, I serve bivocationally as a local church pastor of the Greenpoint Reformed Church. It's in North Brooklyn, which is um, a neighborhood that's very rapidly changing. When I arrived there 18 years ago, very few people spoke English. It was a predominantly Polish neighborhood. And, um, and it had been a predominantly Polish neighborhood for several generations, which is why um, the Protestant churches had dwindled to the point that, that my congregation had a, had a membership role of eight members, and the, the Lutheran church across the street, they have a flying buttress, and they had 15 members. And the Episcopal church was the, was the real heavy-hitting player with 40 members. So all told, if, if all of the Protestants in the neighborhood got together, we would have about 100 out of about 75,000. And, uh, and, and, and the Catholic church was, was incredibly dominant, and still is in New York. Um, this, is, this is one of the few times I've ever been in a region of our country where, um, where Southern Baptists are, are so populous. And, um, and I, I, I hope that you take that as a challenge. Um, so I, I'm really kind of lost. I've never felt so much of a Yankee as I, as I have here. And, um, and that's probably a good thing. You know, it's good to, good to get out of your comfort zone. So uh, the, the fire department had always been kind of my dream job. I had been a stockbroker before I went to seminary and 9-11 happened. I, I had actually worked in the Trade Center. And, uh, and, and it was that week where I've never felt so useless that I, that I thought maybe I was called to go to seminary. Um, and it was through the, the, the life and death of, of Michael Judge, who was the fire department chaplain who died that day, that I learned that there were fire chaplains in New York and, and I really, really felt called to be one. And so when, when an opening happened and I found it, I, I asked all my friends who might know anybody and someone put me in touch with, with one of the first female firefighters in the department. And um, she's known for being uh, rather direct and, um, and forthright. And she said, oh, you know, this department is 95% Catholic. Who do you think you are to try to go and be a chaplain to them? <clears throat> it was a good question. And I realized that all my time in Greenpoint working with this congregation where I will say thankfully we've had some demographic changes, the winds are at our back, and, and now we have a, a congregation. I don't know how many people are coming because the pandemic has sort of messed it up, but maybe around 100 people in the church, give or take, because it's a rather transient crew in New York. Um, but I realized that, that God had really been preparing me to serve in a context of people that aren't necessarily like me at all and to be able to, to serve them and to appreciate them for, for who they are and, while not necessarily taking anything away from, from who I am and, and where I come from. So um, a few years ago, as a fire department chaplain, I got a call from the Episcopal chaplain who has had probably a decade of time more than I was. I was really, I was known as what they would call the junior man. I was a junior man, he was a senior man. and. Uh, and he invited me to participate in the training for the Joint Terrorism Task Force. Now this is a group of, of, of people who are specially trained between the NYPD and the FDNY, and they do things when things get really bad. Now, I have to tell you, I have, I have no experience with this. I've, I've, I've never been really around people who wear uniforms. I honestly don't even really know what guns look like. Um, 
I was telling Pastor Lori this morning that I thought I saw someone in the hotel with what was a gun case, except in the fire department, we use those cases to hold our, um, our color guard flags. So I was like, I couldn't tell. Maybe it was a bunch of flags. And, right? So I, I can't describe the depth of, of my being totally out of my comfort zone in going to this training. But you know what? It sounded really fun and interesting, okay? So the first thing they did was they issued us like flak jackets. And, and we thought we looked really cool. I will admit there might have been some photos taken. And, um, and I was just super interested to hear, you know, how they train and to talk to some of the people going through their training and, and see what they thought about this. And in the training, the instructor explained the importance of each person's role in the situation. Cops are supposed to do certain things. Paramedics are supposed to do certain things. Firefighters are supposed to do certain things. In case you're interested, the cops are supposed to make sure that they're protected, and the paramedics are supposed to care and do wound care and package people. Package people, that means like get them on something that they can be transported with, and then the, the firefighters are supposed to transport them. And over and over and over, this instructor said, stay in your lane. Each person had an important role to do, but the, the real danger comes when one person operates out of the lane, and that's when you get hit. So stay in your lane. It's a really important kind of lesson, especially for do-gooders, because it's when you mean well, and you think that someone else is not going to be there in their lane, and, and you just, you just want to help out. So you switch lanes. I asked my Episcopal priest colleague, so uh, what's our lane? And before he could even answer, the instructor must have heard my question, and he said, chaplains, you stand back, back in the safe zone, and you pray really hard. <laughs> and I knew that I was useless, except for the fact that that was what I was thinking, and he said, no, you pray really hard, because those folks who are going into the hot zone are going to need you, and their brains are not going to be functioning enough to pray. So they need to have the assurance that even though they might not have the words to pray, that you're back in the safe zone praying for them. I can't imagine how our response after 9-11 in the fire department would have happened if Michael Judge hadn't been there. Everybody recounts the comforting presence of seeing him pray that day. He was in his lane. He was doing exactly what God called him to do. Now, you may wonder what all of this staying in your lane has to do with today's scripture. Today's scripture, of course, is the very familiar story of the Good Samaritan. I am sure you know it well because you live in Oklahoma. <clears throat> and I have heard that in Oklahoma, people really know about their Bible. <clears throat> So I have to say, as a Yankee, it's a little intimidating to come and to pray on a text that y'all know so well, even if we all have difficulty living it out. So what if this is actually a story about knowing one's calling and about teamwork and about staying in one's lane? So the priest and the Levite here often really get a very bad reputation because 
Clearly, they walk past on the other side. Those heartless, mean-spirited, lack-of-mercy guys. Except for the fact that they were actually doing what they were supposed to do. They risked becoming ritually unclean by touching this unknown half-dead man in a ditch. It was not their position to do because there were religious rules that kept them from doing that. The priest and the Levite were following the rules. The Samaritan wasn't disobeying the rules by doing this. The Samaritan was actually not bound by these purity rules. And he was therefore free to bandage this man's wounds and to take him to the inn. The innkeeper, too, has the role in doing what innkeepers do. The Samaritan didn't totally take care of this man. Instead, the Samaritan leaves him in the longer-term care of the innkeeper. The innkeeper who was doing the innkeeper's job and taking care of people. What if the Samaritan was designed by God to be the best equipped to show this man mercy? And honestly, I would imagine knowing priests and people who are very serious about their religious laws, that even if they didn't have their hands tied by the purity laws, they probably would have been less equipped to show mercy in this situation. I guarantee you they did not have a well-stocked first aid kit with their donkey. That was a lame joke. Yeah, I know. It's okay. I tried. Yankee jokes, they just don't fall, you know. So in this story, the Samaritan is the one for the mission of mercy. He's fully in his lane. He owns it. Similarly, you have been equipped and chosen for similar missions of mercy and care to your neighbor. Here, though, the question is one of discernment. Would that we could all be told exactly what our lane is. How are you actually called to love your neighbor? What is it that you are best equipped to do? Often it seems as though living out the gospel should be difficult and hard. Again, I'm a Calvinist. I would choose the hardest tasks because I think maybe they would prove my diligence in serving God. Except for the fact that I don't think that's how it works. I think that God gives us gifts and skills and puts us in situations where we can use them. And it's like being a baseball player who hits a ball in the sweet spot of the bat. We just connect, and everything works well because we're living out of the design that God made us to be. You as individuals and, and you as a congregation are called to be the best you that God made you to be. One of my all-time favorite spiritual quotes is from Th Thomas Merton. He says that a tree gives glory to God by being a tree. I'll often quote this when I see somebody being extra. Extra is the term that my children use when, you know, someone's really, really being themselves. <laughs> you know, a tree gives glory to God by being a tree. Some of us are some really unique trees. 
And when we live out of that uniqueness, I think that God smiles. Especially when the others around kind of scratch their heads and don't understand. God made you with a purpose and a design that only you have been made that way. So I think that it's good that the Good Samaritan wasn't trying to go and act like a Levite or a priest or anyone other than that Samaritan could be because the story certainly wouldn't have turned out in the way that it did. That Samaritan was the right person in the right place for the right time. And I firmly believe that if we only have one gift to offer God by way of loving God and neighbor, it's the gift of being our whole authentic selves. And that we don't even know what a powerful gift that is. So last night, as we were eating ice cream, I mentioned something to Lori about how um, in the fire department, there's a, there's a guy who comes picks us up to take us to fires. I have a driver. <laughs> it sounds really, really bougie, doesn't it? I, I mean, how amazing is it? Except for the fact that they're actually chaperones. Now that was funny, people. That was funny. Chaplain, chaperone, chaperone. Got it, huh? They, oh, it's, it's such a dad joke. Well, oh, thanks. You were the laugh line. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. So, so uh, most of the time they just drive me nuts and kind of get in the way. And I wish I could drive myself and I kind of like my own vehicle, but whatever. And then I mentioned, oh, but there is this one guy who is like... You can't, he's just so amazing, so delightful, and, and he's just so himself. And I, I, I don't know what came over me, but I called him because I was like, I just, maybe I wanted to show him off to Pastor Lori. So um, I, I usually, yeah, it was, I wanted to show him off. Uh, because, and I usually am not so good at doing a great Staten Island, Long Island accent, but I'm going to try to give it to you. And I thought before I, I told the story that maybe I should use a pseudonym for him. But anybody who might ever hear this would know exactly who I was talking about because he is so himself, right? So he didn't answer my phone, but he immediately called me back. So, hey, Chaplin, how are you? What are you doing? Oh, hey, Joe, how are you? I'm just here with my friend, Lori. She's a pastor. I'm in Oklahoma City. Oh, Oklahoma City. Oh, you go to the memorial? Yeah, yeah, you better go to the memorial. Okay. Oh, you know, uh, I was talking with, fill in the blank name. You're not going to get to know that name. And I told him, and now there's lots of explicitness. I, you can only, all you hear are four-letter words. I told him, blah, 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 blah. And I, I can't be there to protect him anymore. And he's got to get his mm, in gear. Yeah. You get ice cream over there? Well, yeah, actually, uh, we're just coming from ice cream. Was it Cavell? <laughs> uh, no, I don't know if they have Carvel in Oklahoma City. Oh, really? Baskin Robbins? No, no, it, it was Brahms. Oh. What kind of ice cream you get? <laughs> well, I had a vanilla with some cherry topping. What'd the other pastor get? Is she a pastor? Should I call her a pastor? Is she another chaplain? What, what should I call her? Uh, I think you should call her uh, Monsignor, Joe Ray. Call her Monsignor. Oh, 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 she's a, she's a Monsignor? 
does she wear, does she wear the pink or does she wear the black? What, what level Monsignor is she? I think she wears the black, Joe. Oh, good. Okay. So, well, what flavor did she get? Oh, she got, uh, what was it? Cappuccino Chunky Chocolate. Right, Cappuccino Chunky Chocolate. Oh, good selection. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, you know, uh, they had a tragedy there. It was bad. It's very sad. You know, one of the guys in my firehouse, his sister was there. She's never been right since. Very sad. So what you doing tomorrow? You preaching? Yeah, I'm preaching. Did he offer up a sermon suggestion? Usually he tells me what I should preach about, yeah. It's always like, forgiveness. You should preach about forgiveness. Oh, okay. Well, well Chaplain, it's good. good to hear from you. And uh, yeah, I'll see you when you get home, okay? Bye. <laughs> right? That was it. It was abrupt. It just, it, it's it's kind of like a tornado, maybe. I've never experienced a tornado. But now I have a tornado siren. And... Um, you know, he just comes in, and the thing that was so amazing was that after he, after he hung up, you know, and he's like, oh, done, Lori turns to me, she says, I've never heard anyone be so authentic. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that, that's his gift to God. His gift to God is to be completely authentic, and you could tell he may have a spot of the ADHD, tempered with an incredible amount of compassion, and, uh, and it was an amazing gift, I have to say. Every time that I feel very whatever, anything, I can call up uh, my buddy Joe, and he will, he'll, he'll use many curse words around, you know, whatever it is he's talking about, and then uh, he'll stop and he'll, uh, you know, he'll, he'll be incredibly tender-hearted, and, um, which I actually thought was one of the most meaningful points, because there, there was like a very long pause. I, I didn't give it quite the long pause when, 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 when he was talking about, uh, about his, his colleague's sister. And it was as if the trauma that he had experienced reached out to touch the trauma that many of the people here have experienced. And, um, and, and he only lived because he dove under a fire engine that day. So um, I don't think that Joe has any idea of the ministry that he has. What are you talking about, Pastor? Ministry. Oh, I build things. I build things, I drive people, I'm a fireman. He doesn't think hard about it. He's just his most authentic self. I don't think that the Samaritan thought much about it. I think the Samaritan was the Samaritan's most authentic self and offered aid and then dropped the guy off and went on and said he'd pay the bill. The best thing that we can offer to God is to be our most authentic selves. And to not worry about how that appears or to be concerned about whether You've or been not listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, the gift of Senior you Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. In love back to God and in love to our neighbor. So More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's right. Facebook page. Just the way you are. Amen. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.